in episode number 27 of Hebrews in Exile with Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. We have special guest Aleka Stagg to join our conversation just to talk about things that are Hebrew, which is good sometimes because sometimes you just want to be around people that are of like mind. So sit back, enjoy the conversation. Hebrews in Exile, you know what we do. Let's go. This is Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. And this is Hebrews in, in exile. exile. We have with us tonight a Kohanim from Palm Springs, California, Leka Stag. And he's going to join us in our conversation tonight as we talk about a few things. But before I, I get into this, you know, I've been watching these Olympics and something became very aware to be in my mind. And that is the Father's people are all over the world. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. What did you say? They, they got dispersed over the four corners? They are all over mm. the world. And with that in mind, we are we have been focusing on the African-American Hebrews in exile, pretty much, and our mindset has been on on this four hundred plus year ex- exile that we have been in. Mm-hmm. But our people, the Father's people, are all over the world. Absolutely, absolutely. Name a place where we're not, and <laughs> and with that in mind. As I watched them and as I, as I, my mind thought says, well, wait a minute. These people don't know that they are the father's people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which prolongs our exile. That's right. That's right. Because as long as they don't know that they're the father's people and they don't know that they are in this minutia of being dealt unfairly in this exile, it's going to prolong the cry out. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We will continue to be in a state where we are, are, are not uh, uh, in right standing with the most high until we actually strip away this, this idolatry that we've come to accept as being normal and as a part of culture. Yeah. And it's, we try to do these things to educate people to say, listen, you know, the father has always been here. He's with us in our exile. As long as we turn back, the formula is simple. Yeah. But but, it's, breaking, it's breaking that cycle <laughs> that but, people are so accustomed to. Yeah, but man, you know, when you think about the fact that they don't even know yeah. That they're the father's people. Mm-hmm. And they're not even searching. Which should give us pause. It really should give us the the people that the most high is 
has because it's not like we set out to do this from the from the jump street. I think we all had the idea to say, Most High, just give us the truth of you. And the Most High delivered. And I think with that sincerity and truth that we were able to exude, the Most High honored that. But we we should be a people that rejoice in the fact that the Most High said, you know, out of all these folks, this is the remnant that I'm leaving left. If you look at what the Most High has done throughout the history, I mean, all the way down from Noah to uh, through the house of Shem, this lineage, this people, this, this, this issue that we keep talking about, our, our, our lineage, our history book, describes a people that has been preserved by the Most High and he's never left us. And again, even in this exile, he's still here with us. What'd you say, Aleka? Well, you know, it's interesting. I've had this conversation. In fact, we've had it before. Um, I was just having this conversation tonight that most of us don't know who we are. And that's the sad thing about it. Um, and it... I, you know, I'm I'm, I'm kind of um, confused about where you know the, the placement is with those who some don't even want to embrace it. Yeah, and that is confusing to me. It's kind of uh, I, you know, I don't even have the words for it, but it, it, it's kind of disheartening to think that um, a people would not associate themselves with being great. Well, the the problem that exists is that if you don't know that you were great in the first place, and if you have lived in this exile for as long as we have, and the knowledge of your culture has been stripped away, then there are things that you can't possibly understand. Marcus Garvey, and I've used this statement before in another podcast, but Marcus Garvey says that a people without the knowledge of their past history, origin, and culture is like a tree without roots. So if our people that are in exile that we're talking about don't know that they are connected to the Father, there's no urgency to want to relegate to the idea of greatness. Uh, yeah, I mean, look at look at how this is the diabolical part of what's happening here. If if I may interject, you, we it's it's almost been so we've been institutionalized. You're you're here, and you've been born to this, and this is all you know. And someone brings you a a, a teaching that is diametrically 180 degrees. From what you know. So automatically you just want to reject it all. You're going to reject it right away. Right. right. I, I used that example before in the past when I said, listen, if you had, you've got parents and your parents came to you and said, we are your parents, but then you got a paternity test. And the paternity test said, yeah, those folks that were raising you are really not your parents. It's somebody else over here. The question is, is would you abandon the people that you've always known your whole entire life? It's a natural thing. You wouldn't do it. Because you have some type of connection that's there. The issue is, is that, you know, are you going to go and find the other people and try to find out who are your roots are and where that lays? And people are just, they just don't want to. Yeah, I understand. Most of the time when I end up talking to somebody about this, they get it. 
it's just the fact that they got that paternity test and they say, I, this is, Christ is all I know. This westernized culture is all I know. And you want me to abandon that. It's been so, good to me. You know, so. So if I can interject, uh, uh, how do we get, how do we get past that? How do we get into it? Uh, uh, Sean, this is, this is one of the things that happened with me. Um, and this was a hard pill for me to swallow as well. Um, because I was, that's all I was taught and that was all I knew. Um, however, being a minister, uh, being a, a you say a junior pastor or whatever, and, and, and I'm at my own congregation for several years now, I, I pastored with, with folks who were uh, in a different eth ethnic group than I was. In that different ethnic group, though, I, I found that uh, I wasn't mm, invited into all of the circles uh, because of being what they call Negro. And I had a problem with that because I was taught that we were all under the same banner, neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond or free, <laughs> all one. Uh, but <laughs> you, you yeah. know what I mean? I was, I was taught that, but... You know, when it when it, when it, when the rubber met the road, uh, the moment I began to teach historical facts, I was then shunned even more. And I, and I was one who, uh, you know, I love to read, I love to do my research, and I was finding out so many things that it, it, it just bothered me and it complicated my 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 situational relationship with what it was that I was teaching. Mm -hmm. And not only that, it was played out with the people who I was fellowshipping. They, they couldn't see me as anything other than a slave. Yeah. And the problem that I had was I, I began to pray about it. And the Most High gave me one scripture in Psalms 119, 165, and it says, Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall be offense to them. Mm -hmm. So I, I looked at that, and I began to present that to the people who I was in offense to. Mm. Should I repeat that? Mm -hmm. I was an offense to them because I was a black minister trying to preach the gospel uh, uh, in a way that, you know, with conviction. Mm -hmm. And they didn't want me to live up to that. And so I began to present that to them. Why do you have a problem with me if you love the Most High's law? That was my, my, my beginning process to coming to where I am right now. I started to pray and I started to seek the most high uh, 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 from that right there. And that began to expose me and open me up to, to uh, other things. Now I have something that I can challenge because um, if Christianity is not about racism, why is it that we have it in, amongst, in and amongst our denominations? Yeah, it's very divided. It's very segregated. Because, yeah. because it is about racism. It is the theology of a European nation that is Greek and that is Roman and that is opposed to the people of the Most High who are ethnically Hebrew, melanated people, and who are against him in particular. So it is a race issue, and that's the reason why. That's the reason why the narrative doesn't does not fly with them. Now, you asked the question about greatness, and I want to quote, and I want to use another 
Marcus Garvey quote. And we're going to talk about Mark, Marcus Garvey because you know a little bit about him. You've read a, a little. You've read more about him than I have. Marcus said, if we as a people realized the greatness from which we came, we would be less likely to disrespect ourselves. So, mm. if we don't realize, if, if as a whole, if this nation, if this Hebrew nation of Israel, who do not know who they are, disrespect themselves because they don't understand the greatness from which they come, then how can we expect a people in this exile to understand their greatness? They don't know. They don't know that they were great because they don't know who they are. And that's one of the reasons why this podcast is so important because its direction is to hit people who don't know. And that's our prayer, to open up the eyes of our people across this universe that are dispersed across this universe my prayer is that this podcast will reach them somehow that their eyes might become open to who they are so that they can recognize their greatness and start looking into the history book, you know, which I talk about, you know, people talk about it as scripture. I no longer look at it that way. I look at the, I look at Genesis to second Chronicle as the history book of Israel and their God. And our people have to look into the history and find out how great they were and how great they are going to be in the future until they recognize that, man, it's, 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 well, I'm going to tell you what, when, when, when my wife had an epiphany about this, she was going along with, with everything. And she said, I really got it when we started making the connection, where to start with people, you know? And, and, and she said what resonated with her the most, and this is her testimony to other people that she encounters. She starts with that narrative to say, you do realize that that book that you call the Old Testament is a book about our people. It's about melanated people. And she starts unraveling all the things that connect you with scripture because up until this we talked about racism uh, just a second ago us as african americans and those that have been dispersed throughout the world do not have a connection to scripture because it's always being brought in the light of from the from a caucasian european standard see we, we don't have anything that says okay this is about this particular people. And this is where she starts. She says, listen, and that's part of my narrative. I say, listen, you know, let's talk about Moshe. Let's talk about his wife. His wife was a Cushite woman. She was from Ethiopia. Let's talk about the fact that Pincus, Pincus was uh, a, one of the, uh, I believe one of the priests uh, that, that, that was part of the tribe of Levi. His name actually means dark skinned. These individuals, I mean, are, they come out of, the continent of Africa. And therefore, how can we disconnect our, our heritage of being African from scripture? That's why you made the statement a long time ago. You said, we got all these scholars out there, 
all these black theologians, all these philosophical people that are alive today, and they take our history back to slavery and maybe into Africa. But how in the world can you include African-American history or African history period or Pan-Africanism and not include scripture? Because that is a part of your history. And that's the part that people are not getting because they, they think it's about a group of Caucasian people and I have no connection to it. Any time that I talk to somebody about the children of Israel, what's the first thing that comes out of their mouth? Oh, you must be a Jew. Yeah. They, yeah. they, they yeah. relate it that way yeah. because that's what they've been institutionalized to think. Even our people do that. Right. Right. Our, our people even do that. Right. Listen, we have to recognize that when the Most High expelled us out of the land into exile, there are several components that we that we lost and are not a part of us in this exile. We we lost our land. We lost our t- temple. We lost our language. We lost our kohanim. And we lost, we lost the, we lost the Torah. I mean, can I add one more? Yeah. That that we lost a huge amounts of wealth. Oh, absolutely. This was a wealthy people. Any time that you talk about the children of Israel, you do not talk about a, a group of people that were broke. And when they left Mitzrayim, they were rich. They fleeced Mitzrayim when they had their first war on the way to Mount Sinai or Mount Horev, they fleeced them too to the point where when they were bringing the riches to bring to build the tabernacle, Moshe had to say, whoa, 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 whoa. I got enough money already. I have too much. Right. This is, we lost our wealth as a group of people. We are not broke. And subsequently, look at where we are. Yeah. Poverty stricken. Yeah, and, and if, if, if we were going to dance in the street about Black Wall Street, <laughs> right, man, Black Wall Street didn't have a drop in a bucket concerned to, con- compared to what we had coming out of Mitzrayim and with the with the building of the Mishkan and mm-hmm. and, and all of that, you know. So that was, that was just a result of what a few of us can do when we come together. Absolutely, exactly. I, I read I read something the other day, and. Matter of fact, I, I read I read Pinterest. I look at Pinterest often, and there's a narrative in Pinterest that says every month, or it's either a month or a year, over five hundred billion dollars go out of the black church into banks that we can't even borrow from. Mm. Wow. Hmm. Over five hundred billion dollars go into banks in this country that black people can't even borrow from. That's that is a, a sad state of affairs. No, it's not. It's not. No, it's not. Okay, all right. No, it's not. Come on, educate me. The most high said in Mitzrayim, you will lend, but you will not be able to borrow. There you go. Mm. 
But see, people don't think that that's happening right now. No, no, no. (laughs) But that gets back to this, uh, uh, Aleka. Wow. Our people don't read the history book. Mm -hmm. They're disconnected from the history of of who we are. They don't. They don't understand this. Your your pastor takes your ties. Five hundred billion dollars a year deposits them in a bank that you can't even borrow from, and got the nerve to quote Tor while he's doing it and say, "Hey, look, you know you're supposed to tithe." Oh really? I thought that was done away with. I thought when we jumped over, I'm a, you know what? I'm gonna ride this bad boy till till the cows come home. That weak and ineffective part in Hebrew seven. So hey, you know why am I tithing? That's under the law, and it's ineffective and it didn't bring us to the goal. <laughs> right. So why am I giving it? That that's see that's the kind of mind traps our people are in. They just they they don't they can't make those connections, and it's right, difficult. Right. Go ahead. You said something interesting, Rabbi. You said uh, uh, the our people don't read the history book. And you said the history book uh, begins in Bereshit to the very Hayyamim, to from Genesis to Chronicles. Yes. Okay. And we are taught. In fact, it's interesting because I had a conversation this this uh, past Shabbat with a pastor, and uh, uh, I was talking about the foundation. And yet he didn't want to talk about the foundation. He wanted to talk about the, the New Testament. Uh, uh, it's interesting that if we would go back, that we would familiarize ourselves with the people. And we will familiarize ourselves with the land and the things that we were. If we only went back to the Torah. Yeah. If we only begin to read, when we start reading from that point, if anybody's going to be, you know, a, a, a researcher, start with that and begin to do your research. What are you trying? What are we trying to associate ourselves with? Or what are we trying to connect it to uh, when we begin there? But the the uh, uh, the statement was made that we do not need the uh, quote unquote Old Testament. Wow. Wow, <laughs> and, and that's what they say. That's what they say. This is this is it. This is. I had one uh, preacher told me that uh, I gave him scriptures and, and Isaiah, Yeshayahu, and uh, um, uh, you know different what they call Old Testament scriptures. And he says, I don't know about that. All I believe is this. All I believe is Jesus. Listen, <laughs> I said, Well, this is what you preaching from. How is it that you want to, you know? Not believe in what it is that you're preaching from. Yeah. What is that saying? Yeah. What is that saying? Yeah. There's another quote that says, "The Bible is dealing with the children of Israel from beginning to end. If you don't know you are the children of Israel, then you are a slave to religion." Mm-hmm. That hurt. <laughs> right. I mean, that hurt. If you don't know, if you don't know, you are the children of Israel, then you are a slave to religion. All right. And the Most High did not give us religion. 
He gave us a way of life. Yeah, it's a lifestyle. All right. It's a lifestyle. All right. It's not. That's right. Because again, when when I I told you the other day uh, when that sh- past Shabbat, and I was challenged on it, and I was asked, well, what 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 do you believe that the Old Testament is about? It's again, number one, your history book, but number two, it it, it chronicalizes the the inception of the world, who created it, who put the stamp on it, uh, mm-hmm. a, a people. A, a civil government, a way, a lifestyle that this people is supposed to act. The, the one thing that when you read scripture, I don't know how you can know the most high and not be in Torah because that's where you find out about the most high's character. Even uh, as I've used before, you learn about what the most high's favorite colors are when you read yeah. Torah. But yeah. it's, this, it's this narrative that we continue to keep having that we're having right now. You know what? I'm going to take a sidebar real quick. You know what you two sound like to me? I know you hate this. I'm looking dead at you. You hate this when I say this. But we are just literally, all three of us, turn. Turn back, Israel. Turn. Do you not yes. see the Babylonians coming? Do you mm. not see the Assyrians coming? Yeah. They're yeah. going to take us and, yeah. and, and carry us off. Yeah. What, yeah. what do we got to do? You worship Baal. You know what? The Most High is going to deliver His people. Yeah, we can't save everybody. No, right. And that's—it's a sad commentary, but it's—it's it's men like us that have a heart for the people to say, "Listen, guys, we're never going to be get there if we don't." But <laughs> you know, one of the things that is so critical is that. Our job is to teach. We're not going to make anybody do anything. Moshe, Moshe never made Israel repent. Right. That's true. He, he told them what the Most High said, and he left Israel to deal with them. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not ever anymore going to let anybody reference the history book in the context of an Old Testament. From this day forward, okay. I am never, ever going to let them do that. Mm. Because it is not an Old Testament. It's our covenant. Right. It's our Brit. Yeah. It is our contract between us and the Most High. It is our contract between us and the Most High. I'm never going to let anybody again Talk to me about an Old Testament. Because if, the, if that resonates in their mind, my job is to educate them, to let them know this is not old. Right. right. And, and the next question we got to ask, Aleka, yeah. is when has the Most High made a covenant and broken it? Mm. Never. So this... It's not old and done away with. This is a covenant that is eternal in which that he has spoken into existence his will, his determination for his wife and this great nation that's called Hebrew Israel. Right. Right. Never, so, right. never again. Never, never, again. never again will I let anybody call this an Old Testament. Right. So... Now, I'm going to give you an example, okay? This is what I use. So, to reaffirm what you're saying, 
You want to talk about a covenant. You want something that's physical you can see. Because people are just, they want empirical evidence. It's a covenant, huh? Prove it to me. And I'm just like, okay. The next time it rains and you see that rainbow in the sky, that's a marker that says the Most High is not going to destroy the earth again by water. Now, for some agnostics and people that are out there, I might sound like a radical right now. Okay, fine. Who cares? <laughs> who, who, who cares about agnostics? <laughs> I don't care. Listen, yeah. I don't care about agnostics and radicals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm only concerned about my people. Yeah. I'm in Daniel mode. Right. 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 I don't care about anybody else. I'm on. I'm on the side with the Most High, who said the nations are but a drop in the bucket to him. So I. If he doesn't, if he don't right. care about them, I don't care about them. Right, 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 right. I, exactly. I care about my people. This message that we're talking about tonight is directed to Hebrew Israel, yeah. wherever they are in the world. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, and to be in a place that we are to try to, like you said, educate people on. Our, their ability to understand the depth yeah. of, of, of who we are. Yeah, yeah. And we've had patriarchs like Marcus Garvey that's come before us and said uh, very prolific things. And we just don't, right. we don't, we don't, and I don't know why that, we just been, matter of fact, we've always been that way. What is the most I say? You stiff neck folk. Yeah. You just <laughs> don't want to do right no matter what happens. Yeah. That's why I say Moshe was a very <laughs> humble and, and, Long-suffering individual. Yeah. <laughs> you can't be with some of your family members for five minutes, no. let alone million, millions of them. <laughs> yeah. Complaining. Right. Every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I opened this narrative tonight with real talking about the fact that as I look at the Olympic Games and I see our people from all these various nations in competition, it sparked in my mind that wow, Hebrew Israelites are all over the world, and right. as I, and as I look at them, I realize that they don't have a they don't have a clue who who they are, and they're living in places where what we're talking about tonight never reaches their ear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're not in places and countries where. Torah is being taught. Mm-hmm. Let me let me ask you both a question. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't I don't know, Aleka, if you you're a pretty big sports person. Somewhat. I know a, a big a pretty big sports person. Somewhat, somewhat. Okay. Because I know Ravi is Ravi's Ravi's into his sports. You used to right. run track, didn't you? Yes, a I long did. long time ago. Yes, I did. So let me ask you this. Ask you both this, and you. Please give me a you know your honest gut action. Which I don't think you wouldn't. But should Hebrews, since you bring up the Olympics, participate in it? Because you do realize that the Olympics is that whole entire Greek god Zeus type thing. Mm. My response to that, Aleka, what you think? <laughs> well, you taking me, you taking me back. I mean, I, I love conversations like this because you always get me to think. You know. <laughs> Causes me to think. I think about the Colosseum now. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and yeah, what and was done was what was done in the Colosseum. Um, 
However, when I look at it in light of these days, I, I think that if we had the right mindset, there's no problem with it because think about the uh, economics we could bring back home. Okay. Just, just think about how we can turn the economy for ourselves. And I mean, that's, that's what I'm thinking about when it, when it comes to uh, we're always at the top of, of uh, our field. And, and sports and, you know, basketball, baseball or, or, or what have you, gymnastics, you know, we're, we're in the top and track uh, um, with, with those things come endorsements. It comes a lot of things, you know, that that uh, well, look at what they're doing now. Now, a lot of our people are using the platform for what? Social justice. Black Lives Matter. Right, right. You know, which, you know, is one of the things that I talk about uh, um, is that, I, I mean, I got no problems with you coming together, but I, but the thing is, is where are we uh, putting our focus toward? Man is never going to change things for you. The most I said, he's going to get you into the place to where nobody can save you but him. Yeah. So when we turn to the most high, you know, it is then that he's going to not try to look for policy. I mean, I understand that. I understand, you know, trying to have policies change in your favor. But when we begin to call on the most high, you know, he turns towards us and he looks, you know, and remembers us. Am I making sense? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. and, and and so with that being said, I, I you know, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, um, I'm at a catch 22, you know, with <laughs> well, that. Let me let let me close up the catch twenty two. Okay. <laughs> and and let's put this let's put this in the mind of the most high. All right. In, in relationship to your question. This exile from the most high serves two purposes. One purpose is that it is punishment for the idolatry that his people have gone into and worshiping other gods. But remember, not all of Israel that went into any exile was idolatrous. Mm. Daniel wasn't. Okay, now. Jeremiah wasn't. Mm -hmm. Isaiah wasn't. Three Hebrew boys. Three Hebrew boys weren't. Mm -hmm. But yet they were in exile with a nation of people who had angered the Most High so much that he took all of them into exile. Mm -hmm. So this exile also serves as a place where Hebrew Israel can still be a teacher to the nations that they embrace that want to hear the narrative that we're presenting. Right, right, right. Gabby Hayes, Gabby Hayes, mm -hmm. had on her sleeve, I forget the Hebrew writing that she had, hmm. but she had a Hebrew writing on her sleeve, on her <laughs> sleeve rather, and she was called a Hebrew Israelite. Right, I remember. Wow, oh, okay. So, understand something. All of these athletes that are out there running in the Olympics are not naive to, right. to this Hebraic understanding. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as they engage each other and as they engage their fellow team members, I'm, I'm sure 
there's some discussion going on about this Hebraic way. Because I can't believe that all of them out there don't know. Right. Because too many of our athletes now are embracing the knowledge of the Hebrew way. They just don't have they just don't have the ability to have teachers to help them defend what they believe. Right. That's like getting back to that right. Nick Cannon thing that yeah, he just he knew and right. he was he was inquisitive. He just didn't have the the confidence of being taught. Right. Like a like a talk to yeah. somebody talk to somebody the Nick Cannon thing. He's on his Nick Cannon. Yeah, he knows. Oh more. man, all he, right, knows, well, he knows more about it than I do. Go ahead, talk to so us about that. the Nick that. Cannon thing, I don't, I don't Nick Cannon. But what I think about the Nick Cannon thing, it kind of reminds me of the guy who used to own um, the Clippers. Re- remember that guy? Oh, Donald Sterling. Donald Sterling. But yeah. what, did, what did he say? Uh, 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 what they caught him on on. Uh, um, yeah, the on, girl recorded him saying, you know, about don't bring, bring those black guys to my games. But right. he said there are some black Jews. Mm-hmm. Now, my, my thing about that is because Nick Cannon, his producers, the people who handle him are Jews. <laughs> you can't make me believe that they're not telling him. I, I Let me tell you my own story. Let me tell you my own story. I, I used to work uh, uh, for AT&T, and uh, I had customers that would come all around looking for me. And uh, this one gentleman came in, and um, he, he, you know, befriended me. He was an older gentleman. He was an Ashkenazi Jew, uh, 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 very prominent. He and his brother owned a, a, a couple of restaurants and, and, and a food chain. And so he invited me to his house. He says, uh, "He says, let her come over, you know, to my house. I need your help." So I, you know, I went over to his house, and uh, uh, with cell phones. But anyway, he started talking to me, and he says, "Luckily, he says, you know, you're a Jew." I says, "What?" He says, "Yeah." He says, "You're a Jew. You're a Falasha Jew." He says, "And you can go back to Israel right now, and they will take care of." And I says, what? He says, yeah. So listen, he's telling me mm-hmm. who I am. Now, he's got his own identity about it, his own way of saying it. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, he's telling me. So what is that doing? It's giving me a marker. It's giving me a beginning point. So my belief is that Nick Cannon was being told the same thing. So now he's starting to approach it. Now, here's what he does. What he does is he invites Professor Griff to his show. Right. And I don't know if you know anything about uh, uh, rap, uh, uh, Sean. Yeah, Professor Griff was the uh, Minister of Information for the Ah. rap group Public Enemy for a very long time until he was expelled from the group. And why was he expelled? (laughs) He was expelled because in doing his research, he found out who he was. Right. And he took that to the Jews who were the uh, uh, publishing, the, the leaders of the publishing company. They were executives. Mm-hmm. And he told them who uh, uh, he was according to the research that he had done. And he presented it to them and they told him, you cannot uh, start presenting this information. Mm-hmm. So the problem is, is with Nick is Nick didn't have as much information as he did. So he did not know how to migrate the conversation. 
Yeah, he seemed like he was more of a, an inquisitive role instead of, like I said before, having confidence and being under some uh, under some tutelage for a while. He just kind of got out right. there and just said what his he was eager and the zeal about this newfound information. But you're yeah. going up against a juggernaut when you have to defend that. He he had zeal. Well, with, he had zeal without knowledge. Right. Without knowledge, but especially when you're going to someone or when you're dealing with somebody who tells you who you are and you don't know it. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. My thing is the problem with what we're dealing with right now is who is controlling the narrative. Sure. Who who everybody believes the measurement line is. Right. We've and, and for me is everybody believes that the Jew is the measuring line, so they place everything on that, the Ashkenazis. Yeah. Okay? And, and they've they've become they've become very good stewards of the birthright <laughs> that we have, they've been put right. in place because you, Rabbi said before, you've eloquently put out, it says, listen, the Most High has not left himself without a witness. Without a witness. So right. they've stepped into the gap. They've taken ownership of that birthright. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. they're going, I would expect any group to defend that once that they realize, oh, okay, wait a minute now. Th these folk are getting wise to what's going on. And they can back it up because scripture backs it up. Yeah. And it poses a threat. Of course, they're going to demonize it and, and suppress it. That's why we applaud our brother Nick Callen for coming out and saying what he says. And again, the only, only criticism that I would have of Nick is, is don't relent. Stand tall in the truth that you know. And be equipped if, to, to deal with the fallout. You got to be strengthened in order... To understand what you're getting ready to get into, but I'm going to tell you what, in the vein of Nick Cannon and my, on my own, my own question that I answered, it's kind of well, not my own question that I answered, but my own question I thought about another person to add to that narrative because you talked about Daniel and the three Hebrew boys and operating under King Nebuchadnezzar as they were, as they were dispersed, but think about Yosef. Yosef was the viceroy of Egypt. You know how many gods they have over there. But yet and still, he was still able to maintain two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, who Ephraim became just this, again, I hate to use the word over and over again, but a juggernaut. The northern, the northern kingdom. Yeah, I mean, so we can operate in those areas. I think probably what to take away from that is once it starts getting to the point where people are starting to compromise the most high, that's when you have to say, you know what? I'm good. I'm, I'm not participating in this anymore because this is in direct conflict with the mitzvot of the most high. And I can't do that. So. <laughs> pink, pink. There's yeah. no two cents. Yep. Yep. So here, here, <coughs> Here's the closure to all of this. The closure to all of this that we're talking about tonight centers around the fact that the principal thing, and I thought about this this week as I thought about Psalms 119 and King David's comments in each of the 22 stanzas of hundred of the Psalms 119, where he talks about 
the mitzvot, the enactments, the um, the um, uh, precepts and the statutes of the Most High that he meditates on those day and night. One of the things is, as I've shared with you guys, is the principal thing is to understand the history of Hebrew Israelites. But the central thing with the Most High is to understand his precepts, his statutes, and his commandments. Mm -hmm. Our people do not know those. Right. And even as I talk to us tonight within our own congregations, our people do not know what all of the mitzvotes are and how and which mitzvotes um, connect to them. Mm -hmm. Even in this exile. Yeah. And that's the central thing that we have to teach. So getting back to the issue of our dear brothers, you know, understanding who they are. It doesn't make any difference if you know who you are, if you don't know how to apply the principles that apply to who you are. Oh, that's a great point. Say, so, yeah, I can accept the fact of being Hebrew, but yeah. how, how, what yeah. is that lifestyle? What is that lifestyle? Right, right, right. right. So, Aleka, what you got to what you got to say to close tonight with us? Come on, give me give me a, give me a closer. Oh wow! Now you only get two closes. All right, you're a pat. I want to call you. You're a rabbi now, so you only get two. <laughs> you only get two, <laughs> buddy, buddy. Anyway, this is good. This is good. I really love this. Uh, uh, I've been waiting for something like this for uh, some time now. Uh, because it's 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 kind of uh, few and far between that I get these conversations, you know, with uh, people who are really trying to study the, the uh, uh, scriptures, um, study the history book, should I say? Uh, uh, excuse me, Rabbi, I'm going to be using that. Um, <laughs> and you know, just listening on tonight just opened my eyes up. The one thing that you said um, with regards to Lending and not borrowing yeah. was just so overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. You will lend to many nations and not borrow. This is because, it, it, in my mind, that the concept of that was you're going to have so much that you won't need to borrow. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. Yeah, but with the way you said it tonight is you're going to be giving away so much. <laughs> yeah. Nobody is going to allow you to borrow from them. Exactly. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the point that, yeah. that we try to make every week when we do these podcasts is that people tend to believe that none of what the Most High it's is saying right now, now is, is, in play. is in effect. And that is not the case. The Most High's word is in effect right, right now. now. So we don't right. have anything that's old. Right. You can't use right. the word old anymore. And I refuse ah. from this day forward to let anybody talk about my history book as being old. <laughs> it's not old. It's a covenant that the Most High has made with Hebrew Israel. I don't give a foot about the nations. <laughs> right. Hold on, I got to quicken. Hold on, I got to quicken. <laughs> See, <laughs> I don't. Give, I don't give a foot about the nations. Mm. That's my, it. My only concern is for 
my people. Right. So wow. this has been this has been a lack of stag in, in Palm Springs, California, and Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. And this has been Hebrews, Hebrews in, in Exile. exile. Shalom. Shalom. Shalom.